What a great group. Would you turn in your Bibles this morning to Deuteronomy chapter 34? This is the final chapter in the Torah, the Law of Moses, the first five books of the Bible. And it's actually the final chapter in the life of Moses in the Old Testament. It records his death and legacy. And what a legacy Moses left. Deuteronomy chapter 34, page 244, if you're using the Bible under the seat in front of you. Lord, it's important for us to be reminded often of how short this life is, how really temporary it is, and how every day matters, every single one. I pray we'd live our lives aware of that, conscious of that. that we might make the very best use of our life for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Question. When you die, and when your family members and friends and co-workers gather together at your funeral service, when eulogies about your life are presented, How will you be remembered? What legacy will you leave behind? You know, as a pastor, I've been to many, many funeral services. I've conducted many funeral services, some that I knew very well, some that I didn't know at all. And I've heard a lot of eulogies. And I'll never forget the time one person said of the deceased, I'll miss him so much. He was the first person I ever got drunk with. (laughs) He loved his beer. He was the life of the party. What a way to be remembered. Or I've heard them say, oh, he loved to golf. He loved to fish. He loved his Dallas Cowboys. She loved to cook. She loved to dance. You should see how he could close business deals. She made so much money. I think it's okay to remember the talents that people had and the things that they enjoyed, but there's so much more than that. I'll ask you, how do you want to be remembered? What lasting legacy do you want to leave? Well, hopefully you'll have one like Moses. His legacy was top-notch. Look at verse 1 of chapter 34. It says, Then Moses went up from the plains of Moab to Mount Nebo at the top of Pisgah, which is across from Jericho. And the Lord showed him all the land of Gilead as far as Dan, all of Naphtali and the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, all the land of Judah as far as the western sea. The south and the plain of the valley of Jericho, the city of palm trees as far as Zoar. Then the Lord said to him, this is the land which I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your descendants. 
I have caused you to see it with your eyes, but you shall not cross over there. So right before his death, Moses was given a spectacular view of the promised land. God called him up to the top of Mount Nebo. It was a clear day. You could see for miles. And Moses got to see the land flowing with milk and honey from north to south, east to west. And what a blessing that was for him. Now, we know Moses was not allowed to cross over to the promised land for reasons that we studied last week together. But I think this was a blessing. I think God was saying, Moses, look. Look at the marvelous future I have for my people. And Moses, though you're not going in, you were a big part of it. I promised this land to them way back to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And there was a time when my people were in Egypt for 400 years. And they were in bondage. And I chose you, Moses, to go and deliver. And you did. And you brought them here. You're a part of my plan. I think that was such a blessing to Moses. To look out over that promised land and know that he was a part of it. What an incredible blessing at the end of your life to know that you lived in such a way that brought blessing to God's people and participated in the plan that would bring future blessing for God's people. Moses, you did a great job. You fulfilled your part. What a blessing to be able to say like Paul the Apostle at the end of his life. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. Just to know you did your part. Moses would die knowing that. And then after that tender, emotional, beautiful, private moment between God and Moses, Moses died. It says there in verse 5, So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab according to the word of the Lord. And he buried him in a valley in the land of Moab opposite Bet Por. But no one knows his grave to this day. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eyes were not dim, nor his natural vigor diminished. The journey for Moses was over. God called him home. And it's very obvious that this wasn't a random thing. It was his time, and the Lord called him. Moses was still healthy, 120 years old. Eyes not dim, didn't have to wear eyeglasses like I do. He said his natural vigor had not diminished. He just climbed Mount Nebo. He could have lived a lot longer probably and enjoyed a high quality of life, but he died. We don't know how he died. But the time for Moses was over. He'd accomplished what God had called him to do. Christian, understand, please, our lives are in the very hands of God. 
We all have a set number of days. Please understand that. The psalmist says, in your book, they're all written, the days fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them. Do you know we all have an expiration date? And you won't die one moment before your expiration date. And you won't live one second more than your expiration date. Every day is a gift from the Lord. And every day should be used for his glory. Accomplishing what he's called you to do. Moses died He had a very interesting burial. It was very private. Verse 6 says, and he, capital H, buried him. Guess who buried Moses? God. The Lord buried Moses in an unknown location, an unknown grave. We also know from a little one-chapter book in the New Testament that there were some strange things that happened at the death of Moses. Jude mentions that there was contention between Michael the archangel and the devil over the body of Moses and where he would be laid to rest. Now, we don't know all of the details of that, and Jude may have been referencing an extra-biblical book but there was something that happened there. there was, it was very important that the grave of Moses would remain private. Now why? I think God was protecting the nation of Israel from turning a gravesite of Moses into a shrine. So that people would worship Moses at his gravesite. And that perhaps that's one of the reasons also why Moses was not allowed to go to the promised land. Imagine he goes into the promised land, he dies there, they put a gravesite. There'd be a grave there today. People would still be worshiping Moses today, probably. Moses was an incredible leader, a great man of God, but not to be worshiped. He was missed. He was mourned. Verse 8. The children of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days. So the days of weeping and mourning for Moses ended. It's very strong in the Hebrew language. They wept. They grieved. They mourned for Moses. Now the children of Israel were certainly difficult to lead at times. They were a source of Tremendous grief and frustration to Moses. And there were many times when they were actually mean to Moses. But here at the end, in the final analysis, they loved him. They missed him. They mourned him. And Moses is remembered even to this day, throughout all of history, as a great man of God who impacted many, many lives. Listen, the Bible says that when the righteous die, their remembrance is full of blessing. Righteous people, the way they live their lives, when they come into life, it's like they make a giant splash. 
And the waves that come from that splash ripple across future generations. What a legacy. Psalm 112 says, The righteous will be in everlasting remembrance. All who are righteous, man, they're remembered. The biggest funeral service that I've ever attended in my life was when I was a teenager living in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And this funeral service took place at a humongous Baptist church. Thousands of people gathered. Servant of the Lord by the name of Lyle Thurston. Lyle Thurston was an insurance salesman. He built an insurance agency like one of the state farms in Allstate. He did so well that he was able to retire in his early 50s. The week after his retirement, he went on his fishing trip where he was struck by lightning and killed. It shocked the whole Christian community. But I'll tell you what, everyone gathered because Lyle Thurston, the insurance salesman, had impacted so many lives. Do you realize Lyle taught my Bible study for three years, or my uh, uh, Sunday school? When I went to Sunday school, Lyle Thurston was my teacher. Sunday after Sunday, never forgot him. Such a delight. One of these times, one, one of these days, my friends and I, we played a prank on Lyle. We went to his house and TP'd his house. He woke up, he busted us. He came out, grabbed a roll, started helping us TP his place. After it was all done, invited us in for hot chocolate. Lyle Thurston led many, many people to Jesus Christ. Clients, peers, a house, a giant church was filled with people that were impacted by Lyle Thurston. He's a big part of my life. Proverbs 10 verse 7 says, The memory of the righteous is blessed, but the name of the wicked is will rot. It'll rot. In Ecclesiastes chapter 8, Solomon writes, I saw the wicked buried, who had come and gone from the place of holiness, and they were forgotten in the city where they had done so. There's a lot of people who maybe claim to be Christian, and they'll go to churches, and they'll do certain things, but their life is no different. There's no legacy. You don't want to end life like that. Moses has a legacy that people are still talking about some 3,500 years ago. And look what it says about Moses in verse 10. It says, since then there has not arisen in Israel a prophet like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. In all the signs and wonders which the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt, before Pharaoh, before all his servants, and in all his land. And by all that mighty power and all the great terror which Moses performed in the sight of all Moses. There hasn't ever arisen in history a prophet like Moses. Moses was known as a prophet. 
Now, a lot of times when we hear the word prophet, we think of somebody who can tell the future, prophecy. And there's an element to that. But most prophecy is simply speaking forth the word of God into the present circumstances of today. It's speaking the word of God into people's lives today. And that's what Moses did. As the leader, he, he taught the people the law. He taught the people about the Lord. We know that he did it with big groups. We know that he did it with small groups. He did one-on-one counseling. He was like a mouthpiece for God in his generation. And that's what we're all called to be. You want to you leave a legacy behind? Know God's word. Speak it into people's lives. Be that person in your office who people come to with Bible questions. Raise your children in the ways of the, of the Lord using the word of God. Know your Bible and share it. The prophet, the preacher, not just what I'm doing. We're all called to be that. In fact, one of my favorite preachers, G. Campbell Morgan, profound British preacher. I still reference all his works when I study Bible for Bible studies. He had four sons. All of them became preachers. Five preachers in the family. One day when his youngest son, Howard, finished preaching, a reporter asked him, since you have five pastors in your family, who's the greatest preacher? And he said, mother. Mother. Speaking into people's lives the word of God. Moses was also known as a man who had an intimate, absolute, wonderful, beautiful, intimate relationship with God. The Lord knew him face to face. The idea is they were dear friends. God and Moses were dear friends. They spoke unhindered. Their hearts were known. Moses was a friend of God. And the touch of God upon his life was so noticeable to everyone. In fact, remember there were times when he would speak with the Lord and it was so intense that when he left the tent, his face would shine. What a great legacy to leave behind to your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren. Oh, Grandpa, he knew God. He knew God. You know God. Again, I go to many funeral services, and there's wonderful times where, I mean, I'm dealing with, it's a homecoming. We're burying someone who served the Lord all their lives, and you know it. It's just real. And then there's other services where, you know, you're not so sure. Perhaps the truth gets stretched a little bit. Did he know the Lord? I hope he knew the Lord. You live your life in such a way where at your funeral service, people will know that you knew the Lord. They'll see that evidence. Verse 11 says, In all the signs and wonders which the Lord sent him to do, Moses was known for his works of miracles. God did amazing things through his life. Signs, wonders, Mighty power, it says, great 
acts of terror. Supernatural power through Moses. Throwing the rod down, it turns into a snake. Picking the snake up, it turns back into a rod. Remember when he threw the rod down and it turned into a snake and it devoured all the other serpents that the Egyptian magicians had produced? All the plagues were worked through Moses, water to blood, the frogs, the lice, the flies, diseased livestock, the boils, hailstorm, locusts, the darkness, finally the death of the firstborn on Passover night. The people followed Moses right to the shores of the Red Sea. He lifted up his rod and the sea parted. God worked mightily through Moses in the wilderness years, the manna that would come down, the water that would come from the rock. God still does miracles through his people. God is still wanting to touch this world with his people. And God wants to do miracles through you. As one of his people. You know, one of the greatest miracles is a changed life on display. Maybe you were living this gross life before and then you came to Jesus Christ. And your whole life changed and it's transformed and people see. God's people getting serious about ministry and serving the Lord. God's people are still called to go visit the sick, lay their hands on the sick, and pray for healing. And let there be healing. We're prayed to go. We're, we're called to go into the prisons and preach the gospel to people, to go faraway lands and watch whole villages get saved, to share the gospel and watch whole lives get changed and transformed. Oh, there's much power. I think it's sad. I think a lot of Christians just forget about what they're supposed to be doing. But what a thing for someone to say at your funeral service. God used him. Man, God touched people's lives through that man or that woman. To be known for that. Look up at verse 5. It says, so Moses, the servant of the Lord, died. Now that would be like the defining, like the epitaph. Here lies Moses. Not the great leader, the great pastor, the great evangelist. The servant of the Lord. That's how Moses was known. Moses knew that God was his master. And that he would do whatever the Lord told him to do. Even when it was scary. Remember when Moses was met by God at the burning bush. And he said I want you to go and talk to Pharaoh in Egypt. You remember Moses tried to talk himself out of that right? Did you get the right number Lord? I can't talk, I'm not worthy, I'm not able, I'm not gifted. God said, go, I'll be with your mouth. I'll use you. And he went. He served the Lord. And that would also speak of the great humility of Moses. He didn't want attention. He didn't want everybody to think how great he was. In fact, Numbers chapter 12, verse 3 says, Now the man Moses was very humble, more than all men who were on the face of the earth. That's that's greatness. A humble servant of Jesus Christ. 
humble servant. In fact, it seems to be that that will be how God's faithful people are welcomed into heaven. That's what will matter the most. Jesus told a sermon or a parable, you remember in Matthew 25, about a master who leaves his home and he gives money to his servants. And they're supposed to take that money and invest and make it better. To one he gives five talents. To another he gives two talents. To another he gives one talent. He goes away. He comes back later. The one who gave five, who was given five talents made ten. Made five more. Doubled. The person who was given two doubled. Made four. And to both of them, this is what is said. Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. It wasn't like who did the most. They both got the same reward. It's being responsible for what God gives you. The calling that God gives you. The one who was given one talent did nothing. Sat on it, buried it. Sadly, there's a lot of people in the church that think, I've only been given one talent. What does it matter? Matters a lot. Whatever God has called you to and gifted you for, it's so important that you're a part of that. After this life, to have the Lord say, well done, good and faithful servant. And at your funeral service, to have people gathered who say, yep, that guy was a faithful servant. That's what you want. Look at verse 9. This is important. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him. So the children of Israel heeded him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. So Moses dies, Joshua is going to take over. And it says he's going to have incredible wisdom and great success. All the people are going to follow Joshua just like they did Moses. Why? Because Moses had laid his hands on him. In Christian lingo, Moses had discipled Joshua, had prepared him. And you see it throughout the life of Moses. Moses would go to the top of the Mount Sinai, and Joshua was permitted to go halfway up. Moses would spend time in the the tent of meeting, and Joshua would also be right there close by. Moses always had this guy named Joshua that he was training Lifting up. And when it's time for Moses to leave, the baton is just naturally passed. The work continues. Moses was a very busy man, but he took time to pour in to younger men. To prepare them. Paul the Apostle was also a very busy man. But he always had time to mentor younger folks in the faith. In fact, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, Paul writes to Timothy, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things you've heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Now, there's four generations in that verse. Paul, generation number one, Timothy, 
generation number two. Timothy, I'd like you to pour into people who will then be able to pour into other people. Four generations. The Great Commission. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations. That's the commission, make disciples. You know, a lot of times we think of the Great Commission as something where we're just supposed to go out and share the gospel and get people saved. Certainly, that's a big part of it. Salvation is the beginning, though. It's sticking with a person. It's training that person up in the ways of the Lord. You want to leave a great legacy? Get saved, get mature in Christ. And then reproduce yourself spiritually. Lead others to Christ. Disciple them. So much opportunity in the church in America for discipleship. Small group meetings, Bible studies, women's studies, men's studies, youth studies, house studies. All over the place where you can get involved in a discipling making process. So important. Moses. Prophet. Friend of God. A channel of God's power. A servant. And a mentor. To many. There's another verse about. Moses that's found in Deuteronomy chapter 18. I'm just going to read it to you. And this is actually a, a, a passage of prophecy. Speaking of Moses, that he's a picture of somebody else who would come later. To Moses, the Lord says in Deuteronomy chapter 18, I will raise up for them a prophet like you. From among their brethren, and I'll put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And it shall be that whoever will not hear my words, which he speaks in my name, I will require it of him. This is a messianic prophecy. God tells his people, one day I'm going to raise up a prophet like Moses. Who's he speaking of? Jesus, in many ways, Moses was like Jesus. And that's another thing to consider in your life as a born again. Are you like Jesus? Do you show Jesus? Do people see Jesus in you? Be that prophet. Be that person who knows the Lord. Be a channel of God's power. Be a servant. Be a mentor. Be like Jesus. What a legacy. My brother and sister in Christ, if you're going to leave a legacy like that, it won't happen accidentally. That's not random. That's intentional living. It's choosing to make daily decisions about what you're going to do with your life. What activities you're going to be involved in the way that you're going to represent Jesus. It's, it's making decisions daily to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. To see your business, to see your whole life as a platform by which the gospel's preached. It's being that humble servant. It's making those decisions daily. And I want to invite you. This life is short. 
The end will come quick. Don't be filled with regrets. There's more to life than golf and cooking and Dallas Cowboy football and closing a business deal. Be intentional. Let's bow our heads. What an example, Lord, you've given us in Moses. And we know he wasn't perfect. He was a man, flesh and blood, just like we are. And yet, the amazing things you did in and through his life. And our hearts this morning beat faster knowing that you want to do the same through our lives. And so many of us are so caught up into this world we barely even acknowledge your presence in our life. Lord, I pray that this day, this day on, We'd live our lives intentionally. Wanting others to know you through our lives. Maybe you're here this morning, heads bowed, eyes closed. You've never actually invited God to be a part of your life. But you're ready. You're fed up. The world has left you dry, empty. You've tried to find meaning in all the money and the worldly stuff and the entertainment. And it doesn't work. You know it. Your heart's empty. Life begins when you give your life to Jesus Christ. He died on the cross for your sins and rose again. And if you invite him into your life, if you acknowledge that you need him, He'll save you. He'll forgive you. He'll put his spirit in you. And he will make use of your life in glorious fashion, in ways you could never believe. But it does take a surrendered heart. Will you surrender? Will you give your life over? If you'd like to do that right now, do it right now in a prayer. I'll lead you in it right now. Just cry out to God in the quietness of your heart. I want real life, Lord. Life that matters. Life that means something. Take my life. I give you my life. I surrender my life. Wash away all my sins. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I am a sinner. I admit it. Forgive me. Wash that all the way. Make me born again. Make me a child in your family. Change my life. Transform me. Make my life a witness. To others.
Fill me with your spirit. Teach me to serve you, to know your word and proclaim it. To know you better every single day. Use my life in Jesus' name. Amen.